Welcome to Do Theology, where we keep doctrine in its place. I'm Ken from Indiana. And I am Jeremy from Utah. <laughs> Your pauses get me every time, I tell you. Today we are playing for you an interview we conducted with Joel and Troy. They are the host of the Revived Thoughts podcast. Revived Thoughts seeks to bring sermons from church history back to life, and they're sermons from all different places in church history. It's a fantastic podcast. We encourage you to go find that wherever you get your podcast and give a listen. Uh, but Jeremy actually recorded a sermon for Revived Thoughts that they played just this last week, and it is a sermon from John Wesley. And we had a conversation with Joel and Troy about the Wesleys, John Charles Wesley, particularly their relationship with George Whitfield. So uh, we're, incur- we're excited about this interview to, to play for you, and then also encourage you once again to listen to the Revived Thoughts podcast. And this wasn't the first time that one of us was a preacher on the Revived Thoughts podcast. Before, um, you know, in this sermon, I'm the original Wesleyan, John Wesley, and before I was the original Calvinist. I played John Calvin a couple of years ago, and you were a Presbyterian. Yes. I read two sermons from J. Gresham Machen. So, oh, you've done two of them. I was thinking it was just one. Yep. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, we've, uh, we've done this before, and it's always a fun thing to do to revive an old sermon. And what we'd like to do before we go to the music into the interview today is we want to play a clip from the... Uh, most recent sermon that I preached as John Wesley, preaching at George Whitfield's funeral. And it's important to know that John and George, John and George, uh, John Wesley and George Whitfield uh, were friends, though they disagreed on some theological points. But I want you to hear what John Wesley says in this clip, and I think you can understand how it ties into our podcast. So we're going to go ahead and play that for you, and uh, then we'll jump into the music and into the interview. First, let us keep close to the grand scriptural doctrines which he everywhere delivered. There are many doctrines of a less essential nature with regard to which even the sincere children of God are and have been divided for many ages, such as the present weakness of human understanding. In these we may think and let think. We may agree to disagree. But in the meantime, let us hold fast to the essentials of the faith which was once delivered to the saints in which this champion of God so strongly insisted on at all times and in all places. His fundamental point was, give God all the glory of whatever is good in man, and in the business of salvation set Christ as high and man as low as possible. With this point, he and his friends at Oxford, the original Methodists as they were called, set out. Their grand principle was, There is no power by nature and no merit in man. They insisted that all power to think, speak, or act right is in and from the Spirit of Christ. And all merit is in the blood of Christ. So it is what he and they taught. For there is no power in man until it is given him from above to do even one good work and to speak even one good word or to form one good desire. For it is not enough to say all men are sick of sin. No, we are all dead in trespasses and sins. It follows that all the children of men are, by nature, children of wrath. We are all guilty before God and liable to death, temporal and eternal. 
you don't hear too many Wesleyans preaching like that anymore, do you? <laughs> <laughs> you do not. So, yeah, even though he said uh, essential and non-essential, two terms we don't really like, the idea, of course, is still there, that there are primary doctrines and secondary doctrines. There's a lot more to hear in that sermon. Go check it out at the Revive Thoughts podcast. Subscribe to them and enjoy this conversation we had with Troy and Joel. Calvinism is much false doctrine as a woman preacher. Well, of course, in fundamentalism, you define everything as a gospel issue. This is a true mark of Christian maturity to discern the difference of issues. I got an idea. That's not wrong with anybody who thinks they got another idea. There's a lot of different understandings of what the days are in Genesis 1 and to what degree evolution was part of how God created things. I have disagreements with him in some areas, but those are adiaphora, those are side issues, many important issues. So many Bible doctrines are ruined when we use the wrong words. This is why it's so critical that we use only the King James Bible. You gotta have that right or get out of here. Pray God that I don't take every minor thing and make a major thing out of it. Nothing divides like truth. I respect them as brothers in the Lord, with whom I have some strong differences, but they have a big problem with me. Is there a way that we can work together? I think fundamentally we have to say yes. Christians can disagree and still kick it. Well, our guests today are Troy Frazier and Joel Bordes, who are friends of ours and the co-hosts of the Revived Thoughts podcast, members of the Christian podcast community. Welcome, Troy and Joel. How are you today? Excellent. Thanks for having us. Doing very good. Happy to be here. And you are in a very stylish looking studio with sound panels and dangling light bulbs. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. For now. We'll see. We'll see. It's, 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 it's first rendition. It'll probably get remodeled as time goes on. But well, it looks great. Way to go, us. you guys. <laughs> Thanks. And you guys are in Kansas City? Correct. Yep. We're in Kansas. And just to help everybody, for those seeing us on screen, this is Troy. So that's my and voice. I'm Joel, yeah. That way you can know who who's talking a little bit better. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So which one's the handsome one? Oh, oh thank you, Troy. No problem, buddy. How about that? Look at that. <laughs> we work great. <laughs> well, uh, for those of uh, those listening right now who don't know much about the Revive Thoughts podcast, give us the elevator pitch for it. Summarize it for us and uh, let people know how they can connect with you guys. No problem. Take it away. Sure. Most of church history, uh, people would pass sermons back and forth. They'd read them. It was an excellent way to learn about what was going on. Uh, Charles Spurgeon famously published a bazillion sermons, and everyone around the world was reading them. But when we created radio, people stopped reading those sermons. They would listen to the great sermons that were on the radio. And throughout time, as we've moved forward, technology has left those old sermons on the bookshelves. But what a mistake we have made because so much great theology history and just good wisdom is in those sermons. You know, we often hear about great theologians like, you know, Charles Spurgeon, Jonathan Edwards, John Calvin, all these great men, but we'd forget that they were preachers first and how you can live out their great ideas is found in those sermons that they were preaching. And not only that, but it may be kind of crazy, but we have found time and time again that even the sermon that's 1500 years old is extremely relevant to our lives yeah. today because that truth didn't die. Yeah. For me, it's more of just the the immense amount of material found in this i mean it, we got roughly 1900 years of church history here that was happening before electricity before microphones before we were able to hear their voices themselves and so the vast majority of what 
believers were, what Christians were, and what they believed, and how they taught, and how they understood the Bible, and their relationship with God uh, is documented in manuscripts. It's not in a podcast form. It's not easy to listen to. Uh, And that fascinates me, because we get caught up in these feedback loops, these bubbles of, of where theologians, where, you know, today's modern preachers kind of have similar views on things. We go through the same world events. We go through the same life events. And so that kind of taints and, and changes the way that we interpret scripture and, and our relationship with God in the 21st century. Um, but, you know, someone living through the bubonic plague or someone living through, you know, the revolution in America or the civil war in America or, uh, you know, the English civil war, like that, those are very different perspectives, very different points in life. Uh, and they see the world differently. And it's intriguing. And it's refreshing to hear how past generations uh, walked with God and encouraging for our walk with God as well. So it's, it's refreshing to kind of get out of the modern feedback loop of what seems to be, you know, and, and don't get us wrong. Troy and I will say time and time again, we don't, we, we love listening to modern pastors. Our podcast feeds are filled with our favorite churches and our favorite pastors that we love to listen to. Um, but there is something unique about listening to people in different generations. And, uh, and just one more thing too, we always give the backstory, Joel and I do, of the preachers and tell you who this person was, kind of yeah. lead you into it before we let you hear the sermon from them, which we've also modernized a bit so it doesn't sound quite as old, maybe a little easier on the ears there. And so just the whole thing comes together really well. We always saw the podcast originally as a sermons podcast, you know, another great preaching right. podcast, but we've actually been told we're more of a church history podcast in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's that's something that's I've really enjoyed about the podcast. Of course, enjoying the the sermons. Those sermons are are fantastic, and uh, but some of that the background information on those sermons really adds a whole new layer to the sermon itself. The sermon is powerful on its own, but then when you get you guys provide some of that historical background and what was prompting some of these individuals to uh, to speak the sermons that they were it just adds a whole new layer of, of depth and power to yeah. the words that they were speaking. Definitely. That's how we feel too. It's, it's when you realize how many times these guys risked their lives or how much suffering they went through and then they tell you, God, it's still good. Look at all the joy I have. It just, it impacts you differently. Yeah, that Jay Gresham Machen sermon was especially just stunning. Yeah. Which one? Because we've done two of those. So you had to... uh, I was just the one that Ken did. That's yeah. the one reason I brought it up. Ken has done, Ken has done both of our Jay Gresham Machen yeah. sermons. He's our guy oh, for Machen. I didn't He's know there were two. Job, I man. thought there was only the one. Very oh, good. yeah. Well, us faithful listeners of the Revive Talks <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, brother. Yeah. Jeremy, you've read a couple of sermons for, or at least one sermon, right, for them so far. And uh, got another one coming up. A pair of Johns. Yes. Yeah. That is Calvin. that is one thing that if you uh if you name your kid John, you have a pretty much a ninety nine percent chance they're gonna be a preacher at some yeah, point. Yeah, especially if it was any time in the seventeen, eighteen. At least half right. of our catalog seems to be John, Jonathan, Johan, or Jane variations John of John from France. So yeah. there's always a John in there somewhere. Yeah. And I don't know if we mentioned this or not, but every sermon is read by a different volunteer, a different person. So um it kind of changes the the pace and tone of the show because um, it's a different voice which we like to do it kind of switches things up keeps things fresh if you don't like the reader of one week's sermon <laughs> then just wait till the next week and someone else will be reading the next week so. yeah and also we wanted you to feel like you were hearing that preacher come back to life and if it was the same voice every week or especially if it was one oh, of our goodness, voices yeah. you wouldn't have felt like you were being transported yeah. in time but you just the you know the 
the history closes and just this person's voice comes in and the goal is that that just feels like, yeah, I'm hearing, I'm hearing from Jay Gresham Machen or no, I'm hearing from uh, John Calvin or John Wesley, or whoever it is. Yeah, it's pretty great. One of the other things about the, uh, the sermons that you guys have curated is the broad spectrum from sure. people that are really, they're all over the place in terms of church history from going way back to almost as early as sermons as we can get, mm -hmm. but then also people from very different theological perspectives. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit about how, how what's your process for selecting a sermon and, and how that comes together? Yeah, we we really wanted, to, we, we thought about that a lot. It was like, okay, do we just pick people that agree with us? Do we just pick people from a certain theology? Or even, you know, we're editing the sermons. Do we just kind of clean them up so they all sound really good like oh, we want them to? <laughs> and of course, we came to the no. We decided not only are we going to do that, but we're going to pick people whose sermons change history, who matter to the church, even if we don't agree with them on a lot of things, as long as we primarily agree on the the gospel, you know, we're not sure. going to be bringing people in from other religions or cults, but if we believe in the gospel, we believe in the same Jesus Christ, we read the same Bible, then as much as we can, we're going to give grace to these people we disagree with. We've had Catholic people on, heck, we had a guy who, uh, Jean, Jean Gerson, gave a very famous, very important pre sermon, but at the same council he gave that sermon, he was also, you know, agreeing to burn Jean Hus, who, so you know what I'm saying? Like, these are people who yeah. would have wildly disagreed with each other, would have wildly disagreed with probably what we believe. And at the same time, their sermons matter to the church. They, they mattered. And we just respect our audience and say, if mm -hmm. you don't like this person, if you don't like the backstory, we have to talk about a lot of icky stuff from, you know, heretics, to the, them burning heretics, I should clarify, John Calvin or uh, uncomfortable racism stuff that sure. these guys get involved with, or maybe they were a part of uh, conquest. All kinds of things happen in their backstories. We talk about it, and then we kind of go, audience, yeah. if you don't like this, if you don't think you're comfortable with this, or you listen to the sermon and you don't agree, that we want you to make that decision, right. not us. We never want to sugarcoat history or, or kind of change it or alter it. Um, so it's very much one of those things where, we, yeah, we do trust our audience to, to make a decision. Um, we are very much of the mind that God can use imperfect people to do great things. And so there's definitely, yeah, controversy. I mean, quite honestly, once you get a couple hundred years back, it's hard to find anyone that doesn't have controversy yeah. just because yeah. you get and, and especially with today's theological specificity is that is that a terminology sure. i mean it, how do you look at people pre-reformation you know once you get yeah. back before martin luther you know what what are what theological stance are they coming from and, and and viewing at that's all stuff that we love to kind of talk about and look at uh because it's something that the average person maybe doesn't really think a whole lot about and it's funny too because we do occasionally get pushed back we did have one person who was like yeah you had a johan toller on he's not even a reformer and we we're like well, we know he's, we, we said he lived 200 years before the reformation would have been hard for him to be a part right. of the reformers. Um, but we also, we were surprisingly what we thought would have been a pretty controversial show. We thought we'd occasionally get, you know, the hate mail and stuff, but people seem to be, everyone seems to understand what we're doing and doesn't yeah. seem to have a problem. And 98% of our audience gets it. And they like that. There's all the, they, we get all the time. Uh, it's interesting to hear from people would have never went and looked for those people on my own. Don't know that I agree with those people, but it's cool to hear from them all the same. As the study of these uh, historical figures, Christian figures, um, and listening to their sermons and gleaning from what they've taught, has it changed the way you approach uh, as Troy and Joel? Has it changed the way that you guys have approached listening to contemporary preachers that you may or may not agree with? Or has it changed the way you listen to sermons generally now that you've been 
uh, so involved? Yes, I, it kind of has to. Um, we spent, I, especially for me, I do most of the editing and, and selecting of the sermons. And I don't know, I noticed that historically, these guys who stood out, who stood the test of time, they are very bold for the gospel and they tend to be, there's lots of, there's all kinds of different people. We had poets, scientists, um, governors of states and small guys and small backwards churches way out in the middle of nowhere. But they all, the ones that stand the test of time are very bold for the faith and they tell their audience the truth. You know, they may have very different, you know, Schofield does it very differently than Edwards, does it very differently than Bonhoeffer or Luther or Origen, but they're telling their audience the truth and they're pointing them back to Christ at the end of the day. And that's, Something that if you're a preacher, I think you need to ask yourself, if you need to ask yourself, like, in, I like to think of it this way. This is kind of the thought that came into my head as we made the show. I'm like, if I ever preach, will I be able to preach something that 200 years from now would be worth preserving? Or would it just be something that after I preach it, it's forgotten to the sands of time? I think the goal should not be to, you know, miss the audience you're preaching to now, but to preach something so true and accurate of God that people a thousand years later could read it and still say, no, this is the same God. This is still true today. And uh, one more thing too, though, Whitfield's had a recent sermon that we did called how to listen to preachers. And he basically is like, Hey, preachers are, you know, their voice, they're using their messengers of God in the sense that they're bringing God's words to you and uh, try to give them as try to give them grace when you can <laughs> try to show them some love it's not an easy job we shouldn't it's easy to critique a preacher it's easy to go after them but he does say like maybe we should also try to remember that like these people they may not even live up to what they're telling you to live up to but if they are preaching truth then we need to do to the best we can give them grace and i've tried to keep that in my head too i can be very easy to go man i wouldn't have done that or oh i don't like that and trying to remember what Whitfield says like it's a harder job than we think and keeping in mind that it if it is, if, it, if that person is of God and he's using, he's doing his best to bring God's word, I need to give that some grace too. Let that work. Cause it may, just because it's not working in my heart at this moment doesn't mean that message isn't getting to somebody else. Yeah, I think you answered that great, perfectly. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reminds me the first part you're saying about, you know, what if you were preaching, you know, is this worth uh, last, or is this worth bringing back up 200 years from now? I've got a quote on my bulletin board from Doug Wilson that says, Desperate times call for faithful men and not for mm -hmm. careful men. The careful men come later and write the biographies of the faithful men, lauding them for their courage. <laughs> and uh, I think the uh, Revive Thoughts podcast is a great example of that as far as you're pointing out in history faithful men. Yeah. Um, and you're highlighting throughout history how God has used different people in different generations from different backgrounds and in totally different contexts to be courageous men. Um, and it's worth, it's worth praising God over for sure. It also really has encouraged, I feel like me, and I, I think Joel would agree, especially hearing the backstories of these guys, it's easy to, in your moment in time, kind of feel alone or kind of feel like the world has turned their back on Christianity or the church or the church still. It's, you know, it's so bad today. It's never been so bad. But when you kind of go through history and you get to know people who are so many people who risked their life, so many people who just wouldn't back down and stood before Kings and they, they gave it to God. They just, they, they were faithful through it all. You start to feel a lot more comfort and you go, no, our faith has been tested and tried yeah. for 2000 years. It's not been found wanting. And actually this moment in time, maybe isn't the most pleasant, but it certainly has been a lot worse. And we can give praise to God that if it continues to get worse, we maybe will be one of those faithful men in history, sad as it is. But even if we're not, we know that our 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 faith has not 
has not failed us yet. And it's been, it's been going pretty strong. These guys have done a lot of amazing things. And I think, I think church history, I have realized by, by studying the show and doing the show, just how much I lacked in knowing church history. And I think it's actually a really important aspect of our faith that can really encourage you and give you confidence that what you're doing is real and actually is, uh, it can stand the test of time better than we think it can. Yeah. So you mentioned that sermon from George Whitfield and that's a, George Whitfield is such an interesting person in church history. And one of, one of the small aspects of his life that makes him so interesting is his relationship with the Wesleys, John and Charles Wesley. And you guys have a sermon, uh, that will be dropping about the same time as this podcast with, uh, uh that Jeremy has read from, um, John Wesley, and it's his eulogy or his, his preaching at uh, Whitfield's funeral. And he says some things in there that are, are remarkable, especially when we consider the, the historical relationships mm. between Wesley mm-hmm. and Whitfield and how they really had some significant disagreements in their life yeah, didn't and yeah, to the point where they were, you know, pretty much they were at odds with each other in some things. And yet they were able to come back together and say, you know what? We affirm the gospel together and preserve that unity, even in the midst of sharp disagreement on matters of Calvinism and Arminianism. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's funny. The sermon really reminds me of like Barnabas and Paul, and you know that yeah, story where Barnabas exactly and Paul what I was just thinking too. split off and they go off and do different things for a while. But we're pretty sure at some point they got back together because you know Mark is coming and helping Paul, and it seems like they probably reforged that bond. And I feel like this is that eulogy we never got from Barnabas or Paul, hmm. or you know, we don't know how that you know for sure for sure ended. But if we had a eulogy from people who split off and then come back, this is that one, and it's really cool. It's also really cool too because. Uh, some of the best sermons are these funeral sermons. Some of the best sermons are their final sermons. It's, it's just neat to see John Wesley, who knew George Whitfield, even as an enemy. And sometimes knowing somebody as an enemy means you know them better than some of their friends even. He's, but they got it back together. They're friends again. And him giving this final sermon, I, it's, it, it's really cool. You get insights that, quite frankly, you just wouldn't get from their lives without him having that relationship. Yeah, there, I've got a biography of Wesley that was written about 50 years after his death. Um, uh, maybe more like 80 or 70 to 80 years after his death, but it says uh, for a considerable time, Mr. Whitfield continued to labor in connection with the Wesleys, but upon his second visit to America, he imbibed, that's a word we don't use anymore. He imbibed the doctrines termed Calvinistic. And on his return to England, he could not join his old friends in the work of the ministry as before. This diversity of sentiment between these two eminent men soon gave rise to a controversy which was conducted with good temper on both sides, and the result of which was an agreement to differ, retaining their former friendship and each endeavoring to effect as much good as possible. And uh, it's a great example. There are several good examples, and there are several bad examples in church history, but uh, that's a good example of, you know, two men who are able to to have good temper about their disagreements. And uh, it seems like today, <laughs> everything is worth splitting over. Um, mm. So it's amazing to be able to go back in church history and to see things like that. Uh, guys that we like to caricature today and say, oh, well, they were totally opposed. And another one is just Calvin and Arminius, the two original guys. Sure. Yeah. yeah, There's a quote that I have in a biography of Jacob uh, Jacob Arminius 
that says, besides the Bible, there are no greater works on earth than Calvin's Institutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who, who would say that he ever said that? I mean, no one today yeah. even thinks that. Sure. Well, and I, I have a, a theory, a, a little bit of a theory that uh, could explain some of this. I, I think in history, we go back and we, le- we read a lot of Calvin. You, I, it's almost like there's two rails, you know, in some right. way. There's two rails that don't touch. There's the kind of like the Calvinist side of the church and the Wesleyan side of the church. And these two sides hardly know anything about the other side. Maybe they do, but it seems a lot of times like they won't cross each other too much. So when I get... Um, when I get a sermon or something from one of them, I, I, you know what I mean? I'm like surprised. I'm like, Oh, I never heard of this cat before. And I'm sure they kind of, it's kind of an interesting thing there. But what happened was I feel like a lot of us back in history go and read some of these early Puritan works and some of these early guys. And they're talking about how, you know, Martin Luther and these guys, these Arminians, these free choicers, they're no good. We can't work with them. And we go, yeah, you know, those guys are bad, but we're looking at it from today's perspective where the theological Arminians are people who, you know, are descendants of the Wesleyans. These guys aren't looking at those guys. Those guys, these guys are looking at Catholics who are persecuting and buying indulgences and, you know, they're running pretty much the show in Europe and they're, you know, they're having to escape to America just to try to get some religious freedom. And they're using a term that now we're turning around and using that same term for a completely different group of people and using those quotes. It's like, no, no, these aren't even the same guys by any stretch of the imagination uh, or misremember, you know, or misapplying that term completely. Yeah. Yeah, And even, even within, you know, as I think of, of Whitfield and Wesley in particular and their, you know, their journey, I suppose, you know, we look back and see that kind of the conclusion of it all and, and, and Wesley preached for uh, Whitfield's funeral and, and, you know, we celebrate that as just a, as a great thing of, of church history where two guys who disagreed with each other greatly and they still managed to get along, but that wasn't always true <laughs> in, no, even in not. their life. Like they had some significant disagreements to where um, when, when Whitfield left England for the Americas and uh, Wesley was preaching in the church that Whitfield had started, which was mm-hmm. kind of a more Calvinistic church. And then, Wesley gets up and preaches a sermon anti-Calvinism and pro-Arminian and, 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 and publishes this paper, which was essentially his sermon, which uh, free grace. And just Whitfield was just felt like he was a big stab in the back. Mm-hmm. And he was just very hurt by that. And so then when he comes back to England, he returns the favor. <laughs> he gets invited to speak in Wesley's church and preaches a sermon about Calvinism and how mm-hmm. divine election and all this. And so they had this really tense period of life together. But then once they were able to work through some of those things and their relationship with each other and their common cause for the gospel is really what drew them back together and, and brought that relationship to a point where they could say, okay, you know what? We will stand on the most essential things right. and give each other grace in these yeah. other areas. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I had not heard that uh, that story before. Um, and that's, I don't know, some, one of the things I love about our show and, and these types of shows in general is just because I, I learned so much, just from you talking right now, or even when we do research for Revive Thoughts, there's a lot of stuff that I don't, I'd never heard of before until I, I hear it from someone else that knows more or I read in an article or something like that. Um, but it's it's exciting to, yeah, just hear little anecdotes like that, little stories like that that um i'm i feel like i'm always the last to know i'm always the last to figure <laughs> out but only because i I'm, I'm slightly ahead of you about like yeah troy, troy like i said produces most of our content so he's usually finding but i'm just finding it all going oh cool look at this Joel. we're gonna put yeah, this in the show yeah. pretty much 
I grabbed that Arminius commentary. I wanted to find that quote. I'm just going to have to Google it. But uh, we, uh, we go way back, the four of us. Um, yeah, in sure one do. sense, we all went to the same school. We went to Calvary Bible College sure. mm-hmm. in Kansas City. And uh, you want to just kind of let people know how you got to this point where you started this podcast? I don't know if you've been given an opportunity on a platform to kind of share that story. You, you were together at Bible College. You were friends then. And then here years later, you're doing this podcast. And Troy spent time in China. There's been all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, Troy's wanna... been all over the place. Yeah. We, we, we came into Calvary at the same time, the same year. And we were pretty good friends from the get-go. I remember that first day during freshman orientation. Uh, we got along pretty good. I borrowed a belt from Troy that first semester. <laughs> and then that. from then, our, our friendship was solid, uh, solidified, I guess. That's how every great friendship has begun. Yeah, I yes. forgot my belt and asked Troy. And we went to you know a Bible college with a proper dress code. You couldn't be showing up without a belt. <laughs> was like, Troy, I don't have a belt. I was like, I got you, man. Uh, yeah, so the, uh, friendship was, was good in there and we had all, I mean, Troy is very entrepreneurial. He comes up with a lot of great ideas and we usually pursue, we pursue a lot of the ideas. We throw away probably more than we pursue, but Joel's thrown away some winners to race to the white house, the board game. Yeah. He wanted to create a board game at one point. Oh man. He was obsessed with starting an ice cream shop at some point. Uh, 50% of ice cream shops succeed. So that's a lot higher than your average It's good, good odds, but still, uh, we did not move forward with the ice cream shop. Um, but we've worked on several creative projects over the years, everything from some videos to other podcasts. Um, and Troy's moved around. He's, he's a, quite the globetrotter. Yeah, we, we, uh, we, live, we went from Kansas City to Orlando, worked at an in-home facility with at-risk youth, spent a few months there. Wasn't our favorite. Um, so we left that. Then we went to China, lived north of North Korea, so it was really cold. Then we lived in Hangzhou, and it was south of Shanghai by just a hair, so that was really hot. Uh, then we moved back to Miami, worked at a small Christian school there downtown, uh, and then came back to Kansas City and just been kind of all over yeah. doing different things. Been great. God's been using all these different experiences and just really helped us a lot of things. But uh, in the middle of all that, I just remember Joel and I had had a podcast a long time ago. Wasn't great. Could have been better. Had fun, but could have been a about? lot better. Oh, what uh, was, it was it even about? That's a good, <laughs> you know, good question. It was, a, I guess, just a, a, a Christian talk personality show. We would just have different topics that we talk about each year. It, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we're, we'll, we'll never say the name of it because we don't want anyone to find it because it's, it it's should a part be of off the internet, now. but on the off chance that it's out there, we don't want nobody knowing that. Knowing that so it was more of a podcast for you guys. Just to, it was, <laughs> it was, just and we had a lot of fun with it. Um, but and it was a good uh, learning experience. Sure. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do the show we know 100%. do it now. It would never have gotten to take off or anything if we hadn't had that failure to like right. learn and mess up. But a couple of years mm-hmm. later, I remember reading the Dietrich Bonhoeffer sermon thinking, wow, this is really cool. I wish I could hear this sermon, especially when I realized the historical context. Pitched it to Joel with the list of ideas. Joel liked that one the most, which was good because <laughs> that was the one I liked the most. And we uh, we kind of ran from it from there. Joel visited me on Miami. We, we hashed some ideas out. It took a long time. Um, it took about a year and a half from the formation of yeah, us yeah, first talking of it to how do we do these do we edit these sermons or do we modernize them do we leave them in the kjv do we read all the sermons do we put a historical tidbit how long is that historical tidbit what does this mm. show look like fleshed out we sent people uh feedback episodes there was a lot going on but we really wanted to do this right and getting those first 10 episodes made when no one really understood what we were trying to ask them to do was very difficult i was mm. very fresh to editing them i've never done it before uh so it was very hard uh, it took a while to get that thing going, but once it did and people got the idea, you know, it, it, it was able to, right. it, it got out there really quickly. And when Troy talks about editing 
he's talking about kind of updating a lot of the language terminology yeah. that's used in a lot of these sermons because a lot of them will have an old King James English yeah. approach to them, a lot of these and thousands. People like from that. the 1600s apparently were allergic to periods, so they wouldn't put them. Just run on sentences all the Paragraphs upon paragraphs of semicolons. Yeah, so this show takes a considerable amount of work from from going through what's oftentimes, you know, 100 pages of, of manuscript and condensing that into something that makes sense in a modern conversation yeah. as far as just grammar and, and, and uh, the terms that we now use um, to, yeah, coordinating because it's essentially like having a volunteer on every episode because we have a different voice read it. So we have to coordinate and get that recorded and, and uh, we edit it all together. So there's a lot of behind the scenes that goes on for each individual. It doesn't seem like that when you're just yeah. listening to it. It just seems like an, an oh, it's a 45 minute show. It shouldn't take too uh, long. Compared to I mean, other podcasts, it, it seems like there's a lot more work that goes into putting an episode together. Gotcha. And some, sorry. So, so I, I, as soon as I stop talking and then I think of something else to say, but <laughs> um, some of the research behind some of these episodes, there's, there's one sermon that we really wanted to get that we had seen pop up in other parts in history, it was being referenced. People were talking about this specific sermon time and time again, but the manuscript itself we couldn't find. And it, it took us weeks and weeks of trying to mm -hmm. dig through old archives, stuff like that, try to find the sermon. And we found out that there was a library in England, in the town that this guy spoke in, that had a, an old manuscript because the queen mm -hmm. ordered it to be documented, to be recorded. And, uh, we thought, hey, let's email them and see, let's see yeah. if they'll send us a thing. And sure enough, there was a little transaction fee uh, to get scans of it sent to us. Uh, and we were able to record that yeah. and put that out. So as far as we know, that is literally the only publicly available is, variation of that sermon, unless you go to this library in England and look at George it for Matheson. yourself. And there's a few others like that where we found, we got obscure copies. We have one coming out in the next month that literally I found this book only because this guy had the name of somebody else. Um, I was looking for a guy in India and this guy was in Australia. And as I was going through, I was like, this isn't the same guy, but really interesting, all the same. And his book was available. I copied this sermon. I got somebody to speak it and I read his biography. And then when I went back later on to check on it, Australia pulled that off the publicly available, you know, it's not out there anymore. You can't get this anymore. So this is not only, this is going to be the only publicly available ever as far as I can tell of this sermon when it comes out and there's just tons of little moments I had to talk to the David Livingston Foundation to try to get a sermon from them and like well you know we have this one you can use I'm like I'll take it man let's get it out there <laughs> so and then there are a lot of dead ends too where I've messaged people before me like hey you know does Oliver Cromwell have any sermons no he doesn't actually so good luck with that so you know it doesn't always work out but it's a lot of fun to try yeah it's a lot of fun yeah that's that's really cool um now you guys have you ever because we were talking about earlier, you'll get some feedback from people who say, hey, that guy's not even a reformer or, um, you know, hey, what, what, why are you doing this guy or that guy or whatever? Uh, do, do you find that people are assuming they know where you're coming from theologically and doctrinally? Because you guys have never oh. really shared like yeah. what you are <laughs> theologically, right? Is that intentional? Like, do you want yes. to? Yeah. We keep yeah. that pretty close to the vest, mostly because... We're not theologians. So. We're not theologians. Yeah, <laughs> we're barely history, you know, you know, writers. And so for us, it's like I think it would just distract a little bit from people. Right. Uh, I think it's better to keep us in the neutral lane, so you can just kind of enjoy it, and not not worry about it. And, and we know that we must be doing a pretty good job of it because from the way people talk to us and when they assume where we're coming from, they 
we've been assumed pretty much everything. So I'm, I'm guessing they haven't quite figured us out yet on that one too hard. That's true. Um, and we've had people too, they'll message us and they're like, Hey, I know I'm not this theological group, but I still like your show. And I'm like, it's fine. You're yeah. <laughs> the show it's, is supposed it's, to be it's for all Christians. for everybody. It's, yeah. One of the things that we didn't mean to find in this show that kind of came out of this show was just like realizing you know, there's a lot of theological differences, but God is using people from all different movements to get people saved and to bring them to the gospel and to change lives. And actually, it's good to have these theology talks. It's good to figure out where we stand. And we want to make sure we're not compromising to the culture or compromising to sin in our own life. But it, you do not have to think exactly the same to be used by God. Sure. Definitely not. He's, and let me yeah. clarify. I mean, Troy and I, do have very specific theological yes. stances. It's not. It's not that we don't have uh, views on interpretations of of how we believe, believe the Bible is to be interpreted. Um, but as far as the show is concerned, um, we there's a, again, it's the what is a denomination again? Once you get five hundred years in the past, a thousand years in the past, fifteen hundred. I mean, our earliest sermon is a couple hundred years after Paul no, died. It's within it's within a hundred years of the life hundred years of John. You know, right. so a person could have been a baby at the age of John and would have been an old man at the age of origin, but they would have lived at the same time. Right. So all of the terminology that we would use in the twenty first century to describe, you know, our theological stance um, mean different things to the church a thousand years ago. And so it's, it's a different look at theology than we're used to looking at it in the 21st century. And maybe one last kind of thought to tack on there too, is just like, I, I, we do have one criteria and that is you got to be believing the gospel and you've got to be biblically inerrant. Like you have to believe the word of God is what you're preaching from. We're not that those are the two things where we can't compromise on that. If you're looking at the word of God as just, it's a nice book written by men. We really can't work with you because we, we're not in the same faith at that point. I don't think. Hmm. Now, uh, maybe a, just a, kind of wrapping up where, what you guys are doing personally now in your own personal ministries, Joel, you and I are involved in the same missions organization yeah. <laughs> and uh, you, you're doing some cool stuff there. You guys just want to give us like a life update of, of what you guys do outside of the podcast and what ministry looks like week in and week out. Yeah. Um, I am a, a part of a missions organization called biblical ministries worldwide as a videographer. My wife and I travel, and make video content for different ministries and uh, missionaries. And it's something we love to do. We have a, a passion for filmmaking and communicating how God is working around the world. So that's, uh, that's what I get excited about. And when I'm not recording podcasts with Troy, or usually editing some project or, or traveling somewhere to film. Yeah. I'm a children's pastor and communications pastor at a church here in Kansas City. I I uh, love teaching, been doing a lot of work with kids, you know, pretty much my entire career. So I really enjoy the opportunities to do it and to uh, plant those seeds, hopefully see people grow closer to Christ. And when you hear back from parents like, hey, they mentioned your lesson or something during dinner. Oh, one of the best feelings you can get. <laughs> I also, as a communications pastor, run the social media and stuff like that. That part I'm less good at. I don't, <laughs> I don't love being on social media, but it's very important. So I do try to make that time to, you know, connect with people there where I can too. And I'm also a student at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. So I uh, take classes online there slash on campus there sometimes. Now everyone knows you're not a Presbyterian. Way to go. Yeah, they got me. Out of the bag. Actually, though, no, a lot of Presbyterians are actually there too. Is so there really? Yeah, there's are a Are you one of them? I can <laughs> neither say nor deny nor anything. Um, <laughs> that was close. You almost got me. <laughs> 
Well, Joel and Troy, it has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. We encourage everyone who's listening to go check out the Revived Thoughts podcast wherever you can, wherever you listen to podcasts, it's there. So go check it out. Go listen to the sermon that Jeremy recorded from John Wesley about uh, uh, recorded at the death of, of George Whitfield. Uh, and yeah, so thank you so much for, for hopping on with us. Thank Thanks you so for having us on, guys. guys.